0: Hello and welcome to First Importance, the preaching and teaching ministries of First Baptist Church, West Memphis, Arkansas. Our prayer today is that you will be blessed and encouraged by the message to come. Well, I think every week I'm slower getting up on the platform when I'm asked to speak. And I love that song, It Is Well With My Soul. You know we're often asked the question when somebody greets us, "How you doing?" And most uh, most of the time we answer, uh, "Doing well," and we probably mean that physically. But uh, it's a good it's a good answer. It is well with my soul. Well, I'm always glad to have the opportunity to fill in for the pastor. And uh, as I've often said, when I have this opportunity, that I do consider it a great privilege to fill in for any of God's men, but I'm especially grateful and feel privileged when I'm asked to fill in for my pastor, and so we, Brother Josh, I think, wants to try to keep in touch with the youth and the fact that we have uh, our youth man uh, leaving us, and so he's meeting with him tonight. If you will, will, turn in your Bibles to the book of Psalms on Wednesday night. Uh, For those of us who have the privilege of leading in a Bible study on Wednesday night, we often turn to the Psalms. And so if you look in Psalm number one, this is one of my favorites and I probably, since this is a favorite Old Testament passage, uh, I probably have dealt with this before in one of the services either uh, in having the privilege of preaching Uh, to the congregation on Sunday or leading in the Bible study on on Wednesday night. Psalm number one is a favorite of mine and probably it is for many of you. It really is uh, an introduction to the whole book of Psalms. The rest of the Psalms really are an exposition of what is set forth in Psalm number one. Psalm number one has to do with blessedness. It starts with a beatitude. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. But, now here's the contrast. But the ungodly are not so. They're like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Blessed is the man. The psalm deals with the way to blessedness. Now, many translations, I think, many modern translations, may translate the word blessed with the word happy. I'm not too uh, pleased with that translation because there's a great deal of difference between blessedness and what we consider to be happy or happiness. So many times happiness is dependent upon one's circumstances. If circumstances are going right, then we are happy. Many people have a viewpoint of happiness, what I used to call uh, Saturday night happiness. When I was a boy on the farm, we worked uh, really six and a half days a week, uh, a week and when the season was in, cotton chopping and cotton picking and uh, planting. Uh, we even worked a half a day on Saturday. But on Saturday, we had our weekly bath. Now we... Didn't take a bath every day. Some of you may have. Uh, But we took a bath in the number two wash tub and uh, we had to pour the water. Now, we did have to wash our feet every night because most of the time we went barefooted. Uh, Come May 1st, we put off our shoes. That was the putting off shoe time. Uh, Now, some of us boys, we sort of, we sort of, but well, before May the first, but that was Mom's that was Mom's day. May one, you put off your shoes and you didn't put them on until late October, sometimes the first week in November. Uh, so we had to wash our feet every time, every night. But not the bath. We took our Saturday bath, went to town, walked around the block all Saturday afternoon, and wait until the show started, the movie picture show. And uh, that was what we looked forward to, working all day. It was a laborious week in the farm, in the field. And come Saturday, we were happy. You know, some people's view of happiness is like that. But blessedness is not the same as that kind of happiness. The word blessed has to do with being fulfilled, content, satisfied. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, and so it does include happiness, of course, but it's much deeper than happiness. And so I, just, I want to divide these verses in just the two main divisions. There's the way to blessedness pointed out, and then there's the reason why that way leads to blessedness. First of all, the way to blessedness pointed out. Now, in pointing out the way to blessedness, there is a negative negative. And there's a positive. And here the psalmist begins with the negative. That if you're going to be blessed, if you're going to have that blessed life, then there's a way of life. There's a conduct. There's a behavior that you must avoid. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Now some people don't like the idea of negativity. Uh, We always want to emphasize the positive. Uh, When I was uh, was in college, I had a psychology course and it was told that uh, we should never be negative with our children. Never tell them don't do certain things. Uh, Be positive. For example, if little Susie is going up the stairs and in danger of falling down the stairs, do not say, don't go up those stairs. Say, sis, why don't you come down the stairs lest you harm yourself. That's positive. When I was... In a preaching class, I was told by the professor, you preachers need to be positive, don't be negative. People don't like negativity. The only thing about that is a lot of negatives in the Bible. You know that? Nearly all the Ten Commandments are put in the negative. Uh, and uh, uh, I was, when I was a professor at Southern Baptist College, what is now Williams Baptist University, uh, we had some specialists to come on the campus. Uh, when I was a professor there, come from, he came from some big northern university to look over our campus and to give us some recommendations about uh, the campus that we could improve. And he had an exit view, uh, exit appearance with the faculty. And in that exit appearance, he said, now, I notice you have a rule book for your students. And in this rule book, there's a lot of things that they cannot do. And in that day, we did have a rule book for the dormitories of the, both, both the men and the women. I, I still call them boys and girls dormitories. But uh, uh, he said, uh, you, need to throw that, you need to throw that handbook out. You've got too many negatives in it. You're, all, you're, you're always telling the students what they cannot do or may not do. You ought to tell them what they can do. And uh, he said, uh, he said, just think. He said, uh, uh, just think how more effective if the Ten Commandments would be, if Moses had put them in the positive rather than the negative. Well, I taught Bible at that school, and so since he brought in the Bible, I thought that gave me an opportunity to ask him a question. And so I said, sir, how would you improve on the Ten Commandments? And he said, well, uh, I know. I know one of them is, thou shalt not commit adultery. He said, don't you think it would have been better if Moses, he never did say God. He said, if Moses had said, be a good husband. And I said to him, I said, sir, do you not realize that in our society, there are scores, even hundreds or thousands of men who think that they can be good husbands and still be unfaithful to their wives? You see, sometimes the negative is necessary to point up the positive. And so here the psalmist points out, if you're going to be blessed, there's a way of life that you must avoid. And because of that, uh, the reason for that is that there's a progression of this, of this behavior that leads to the opposite of blessedness. Blessed is the man, or blessed is the woman, blessed is the person. Uh, who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, who stands not in the way of sinners, who sits not in the seat of the scornful. If you'll note that there are three actions, three positions there. There's walking, there's standing, and there's sitting. And that really is speaking about the progression of this kind of behavior that eventually leads to uh, to the behavior of being scornful. Walking, what is it to walk in the counsel of the ungodly? It's to begin to listen to them. It's begin to take their advice. Oh, how many times in your youth and and, uh, even today there may be some tempter coming and say, come and do this with me, you'll enjoy it. Your conscience tells you you shouldn't do it, but they keep telling you how pleasurable it is. How many alcoholics are there in our society today, are alcoholics because they were enticed to take the first drink by taking the counsel of somebody else, drug drug addiction and so forth. And so that's taking the counsel of the ungodly, walking in the counsel, taking the advice. That's the first stage. Then a person begins to stand there, standing, standing. That's uh, begin to make it a habit. You repeat it over and over again. Uh, you know, this standing in the way of sinners doesn't mean what I used to think it meant. And there are a lot of verses like that in the Bible. When I first started preaching and as a young Christian reading the Bible, I had missed stem winding sermon in my youth on Christian influence. How Christians are not to be a stumbling block in the way of sinners. And I needed me a good text, and it seemed that that's what this meant. Blessed is the man who stands not in the way of sinners. But that really is not what that has to do with. It has to do with a, with a certain kind of lifestyle that a person begins to practice. He begins to, he listens to the ungodly. He begins to practice the way of the ungodly. And now note the final stage. He begins seated in the seat of the scornful. Now, you note there are three different words for that kind of behavior. There's the word ungodly. There's just the most general word for a sinful life. The word sinners, it's a deeper uh, deeper activity. And then seated in the seat of the scornful. That word scornful describes a person who is who, who, who has no joy, no happiness, just bitter on life. And, oh, I've seen them sometimes as a boy. I've seen them Sitting around the courthouse square on benches with the spit and whittle club and just soured bitter on life. Seat of the scornful. You know, some people think that, uh, uh, that the life of the Christian is the boring and dull life, but uh, those who follow this way of the ungodly end up with the seat of the scornful. No happiness, no joy no pleasure, and certainly no blessedness. And so there's the negative. And then he comes to the positive. In verse verse 2, he sets forth the positive, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Now the law of the Lord is a broad term. It's used in different ways in the Bible. The broadest way that the law of the Lord is used is to speak about the whole Bible. Uh, the, did you know that the whole Old Testament is spoken all about the law of the Lord in statements in the New Testament? And then it's narrowed down to a certain section of the Bible. The first five books... ...of the Bible are said to be the law of the Lord. The law and the prophets is sometimes a term used to express the whole Old Testament. But it's also used uh, in uh, uh, in the more narrow sense to speak about the Ten Commandments, the law of the Lord. But it's also used in the broadest sense to speak about the will of the Lord. God expresses His will for our lives through his word, through his law. And so I take, I take this particular statement about the way to blessedness is to delight oneself in the will of God, to meditate in it, and to obey it. Now, the will of God, I think, has two dimensions to it. And the interesting thing in both of those dimensions, the devil has convinced many people that if you follow either one of them, you're going to be unhappy. You're going to be uh, the uh, uh, the opposite of blessedness. There's the will of God in what we ought to be. That I'm talking about a vocation. Uh, and a lot of folks are afraid of following the will of God in a vocation. I was afraid of that one time when the Lord began to deal with me about preaching. I didn't want to be a preacher. Uh, I was not reared, reared in a Christian home and... And while it was a good home, yet most of the comments I heard about preachers were, you know, negative. You know, running off with somebody else's wife or preaching just for money or something like that, you know. And uh, I didn't have any real close friends that had too much admiration for preachers. So I didn't want to be a preacher. And I thought uh, the Lord was going to mess up my life. Living up in St. Louis, Missouri, working a good job God began to deal with me about preaching and I can remember, seemed like only yesterday, kneeling by my bedside in a little apartment and saying, God, I'm miserable not being a preacher. I might as well be miserable being one. <laughs> but uh, the joy that's come and the blessedness that's come over more than 60 years now of fulfillment in following the will of God And what God wanted me to be. And then there's the will of God and what God wants you to do. And this is probably the thing that's most relevant for all of us here. God has a will for us as far as our life is concerned. You know, a Christian cannot make decisions like the world can. You may be a businessman. And... uh, don't know whether you're still active or not now, but uh, you may have had a business, and you, some of you may still be involved in a business. You can't run your business as a Christian like the world runs it. I, I think I was dealing with this text in a meeting in in, uh, in Memphis uh, several years ago, and uh, after, the, after the message, a lady came up to me, and she said, uh, I want to tell you something, said, uh, Uh, about my own experience she says uh, in my business and she told me what the business was and I'm not going to tell you what it is she said you know you have to be just a little bit dishonest to really make a good profit in this business and she says I was running my business like that and I was making a lot of money but she said God got a hold of my conscience And I decided I could no longer run my business like that. And I decided I was going to run my business on Christian principles, even if I went bankrupt. And she says, you know, in the last six months, my profits have been cut in half. But she says, I've been able to sleep at night. Blessedness came through obeying God in his will. And so this is the positive about the blessedness that the psalmist is talking about. Uh, is following, delighting, meditating, following the will of God for one's life, the way to blessedness. Now he comes to talk about the reason why that way leads to blessedness. In verse 3, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth His fruit in His season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The blessed life, the way to blessedness, uh, this negative, avoiding a certain lifestyle, delighting oneself in the will of God, leads to stability in one's life. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. A tree that's planted by the rivers of water is a tree where the roots grow deep, and the trunk and the branches of the tree grow strong and able to stand the stresses of the weather that come against it. And so there's stability in, in following the will of God. There's a, that's the reason why this way leads to blessedness. You know, <clears throat> I'm not a psychologist, so I don't know about this, but I, I've been told in reading that a lot of things that creates a sense of emotional stress in children's lives is the is the moving around from location to location. We live in a mobile society and going from place to place. Uh, I've moved a few times in my boyhood. I don't know that it affected me all that much. I can't remember much about it. But I do know that uh, when we moved from Little Rock to here in Marion in West Memphis, uh, my daughter Rhonda, y'all, I think, that's the daughter that most of you know more about. She was so active in our church here. Uh, she was so, she, she's, she's such a, person, a people person. And she got so involved in her church life there at the Olivet Baptist Church in and, and Little Rock. And, and made friends and went with the youth and so forth. And when we told that we're moving, the dear young teenager broke down and started weeping and crying. Uh, but I'm telling you that if a person's life is anchored in the will of God, they can move every six months and still know that their life is stable in the, uh, and, hang, uh, and, and set on the rock that will never change the immuta, in the immutability of our Lord. And so he shall be like a tree planted by the livers of, rivers of water. But not only, not only does it create stability, but one who's... Life is anchored in the will of God, who avoids a certain kind of lifestyle. It creates also a sense of meaningfulness. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now this prosperity, uh, some you may be familiar with the prosperity gospel that is so common in television and radio that uh, God is obligated to bless all of you by making you millionaires and giving you Cadillacs and so forth if you uh, if you obey him. Uh, and sometimes they might use a passage like this, but this prosperity he's talking about is meaningful in one's life. It's productivity in one's life. And here's another thing that I've been told. Now, we don't live in the Mectanias society as we did when I was a boy. You know, we we left, uh, graduated from high school, went up to St. Louis or other places to find jobs in factories. In factories, they had assembly lines. In assembly lines, you, you may be responsible for putting a nut on a bolt, a nut on a bolt on assembly line. And I've been told and also by psychologists, sometimes a person begins to think, well, who am I? What am I worth? All I do is put a bolt, a nut on a bolt. A nut on a boat that goes into another uh, uh, another part of this uh, assembly. But you see, if one avoids a certain kind of lifestyle, delights himself in the will of God, he can be a farmer, a truck driver, a worker on assembly line, and still know that his life is amounting to something, for now and for eternity. This kind of life creates meaningfulness in life. And then this kind of life creates a sense of security. He gives a contrast here, as I've already pointed out, but the ungodly are not so. Now, what a contrast. He just said that those who avoid a certain kind of lifestyle, who delights in the will of God, will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. But then the ungodly are not like that. They're like the chaff, which the wind driveth away. What a contrast. Has anybody ever tried to blow an oak tree down? Well, you can take chaff in your hand and with the puff of your breath, blow it, whichever way it goes. What, uh, What a sense of insecurity. And so there are two kinds of security. Two aspects of security that the blessed life creates. One, there's security in this life. Now notice he continues, The ungodly are not sold, uh, they, and they shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Now, that particular statement really doesn't have to do with destiny. It has to do with God's protective grace in our present life. There's security in the present life. I remember, of course, I remember a lot of questions my students have asked me, but I remember this one particularly that's related to this. Again, when I was a professor at the college, not at the seminary, had a young man get me, uh, approach me in the hall, and he said, uh, Dr. Milliken, do you believe what is to be will be? I knew what he was getting at. And I said, well, I'm not sure what you're talking about. He said, well, I mean, regardless of what you do, uh, you you have a certain time to die. Uh, And I said, well, let me explain it like this. If you're asking me that a person can... Live dangerously. Get out here and stand on the railroad track when the 5:45 is due, and say, if it's my time to die, that train will gonna be on time. And if it's if it's not my time to die, then God will stop the train down the track somewhere. I said, God never teaches us to live like that. In fact, Jesus made a statement that that's tempting the Lord your God. But I said, young man, here's what I do believe. That if your life is anchored on the will of God, there's nothing that can take your life till God gets through with you. Now, God gets through with some people quicker than He does others. I do not understand that. Methuselah lived to be 969 years. Uh, you have Moses, 120. Abraham, 175. The Apostle Paul, about 65, we're told. And our Lord Himself... And John the Baptist, about 30. God gets through with some people quicker than it does others. My blessed first son-in-law, Rhonda's first husband, died when he was 46 years old. God gets through with some people quicker than it does others. I don't know why. I don't understand that. But I know this. If their hands was in the hand of God, nothing could take their lives till God got through with them. That's the blessed assurance that we have in this life. That's the assurance and security that those who are blessed have. But then there is another sense of security. And that's security for the life that's to come. Now, he does make a reference to this in verse 8, verse 5. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Now, that doesn't mean they won't be there. Oh, yes, sinners will have to stand or be present at the judgment. This simply means they will have no standing ground. They have no no basis for passing the judgment. That will be meted out in that day. But I want you to know that those who are blessed, those who avoid a certain lifestyle and who's anchored in the will of God, which begins with trusting Jesus Christ, we will not stand in the judgment at all. We all we will only be there as spectators at the great white throne judgment. In fact, the Bible even says we will be judges in the final judgment and not judged. There's security in life to come. There's security in this life and security in the life to come for the those who follow the way of blessedness. Thank God for that. Blessed is the person who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Well, that's our study for tonight. Thank you for joining us for this episode of First Importance. We invite you to check out our other sermons on this podcast and to join us in person on Sundays at 8.30 or 10.45 a.m. as well as streaming live on Sunday mornings at 10.45. We hope to see you soon at First Baptist West Memphis where we love God, care for one another, and share the gospel.